In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. everyone, welcome to Quality Matters, where we believe quality impacts us everywhere from the oil fields to our education system. You need the edge of quality in your organization. Thank you for joining us as we discuss Quality Matters. I'm Darcy. I'm Kyle. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for listening every week. We like to have you around. Um, this week, Kyle kind of picked the topic. I, Even though I'm the boss lady, I guess I'll let him <laughs> choose a topic or two. Um, there's a book that he really enjoys by a speaker that he really enjoys. His name is Simon Sinek, and the book is Start With Why. How'd you find this book? How'd you get turned on to it? Oh, gosh, this is years ago. This was uh, long before I quit quit my job full-time. And right now I'm probably listening to the book for because I love Audible. Um, probably listening to it for the fourth time right now. Yeah, so he encouraged me to start reading it, and I am not very far into it. I don't uh, enjoy nonfiction as much as Kyle does, so it takes me a little longer to read the nonfiction. If it's a fiction book, I can sit and read it all day long. But um, I started reading it, and I was surprised by how much I was enjoying it and underlining stuff. And Kyle came to me the other day. He said, hey, I want you to listen to this clip from the Start With Why book. I'm listening to it again. And then he realized he had lost the exact time of the clip. So he told me what it was about. I said, oh, yeah, that's early on in the book. I've already read it. And I opened up the book, and I had underlined the whole thing that he was talking about. So it meant something to me, and it meant something to him. Um, so what I'm, is it? I'm going to read it. I'm okay. sorry. I know people hate to be read to. I think Kyle's going to put the link to mm-hmm. um, the audio clip with our show notes. No, he's not. We'll see. He just looked at me funny. Maybe it'll be there. Maybe it won't. (laughs) Well, you're going to read it. I'm going to read it. Okay. Well, before I read it. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about what the book is about. Sure. And it's pretty simple. A lot of people have heard of it by now, but probably not everyone's read it. I would hope so. I think it's pretty simple. It's finding your why. And this could be in your personal life your business life, even if you're not a business owner, just why? Mm -hmm. Why do you do what you do? And, you know, even in your personal life, why do you do what you do? And um, finding your purpose, I Mm -hmm. guess, behind who you are is what the book is about. So finding your why. Um, So this is the part that we wanted to talk about. It's kind of long, so bear with us. There is a wonderful story of a group of American car executives who went to Japan to see a Japanese assembly line. At the end of the line, the doors were put on the hinges, the same as in America, but something was missing. In the United States, a line worker would take a rubber mallet and tap the edges of the door to ensure that it fit perfectly. In Japan, that didn't seem to exist. Confused, the American audio executives asked at what point they made sure the door fit perfectly. Their Japanese guide looked at them and smiled sheepishly. 
we make sure it fits when we design it. (laughs) In the Japanese auto plant, they didn't examine the problem and accumulate data to figure out the best solution. They engineered the outcome they wanted from the beginning. If they didn't achieve their desired outcome, they understood it was because of a decision they made at the start of the process. At the end of the day, the doors on the American-made and Japanese-made cars appeared to fit when each rolled off the assembly line. Except, the Japanese didn't need to employ someone to hammer doors, nor did they need to buy any mallets. More importantly, the Japanese doors are likely to last longer and maybe even be more structurally sound in an accident. All this for no other reason than they ensured the pieces fit from the start. What the American automakers did with their rubber mallets is a metaphor for how so many people and organizations lead. When faced with a result that doesn't go according to plan, a series of perfectly effective short-term tactics are used until the desired outcome is achieved. But how structurally sound are those solutions? So many organizations function in a world of tangible goals and the mallets to achieve them. (laughs) The ones that achieve more, the ones that get more out of fewer people and fewer resources, the ones with an outsized amount of influence, however, build products and companies and even recruit people that all fit based on the original intention. Even though the outcome may look the same, great leaders understand the value in the things we cannot see. Every instruction we give, every course of action we set, every result we desire starts with the same thing, a decision. There are those who decide to manipulate the door to achieve, there are those who decide to manipulate the door to fit to achieve the desired result, and there are those who start from somewhere very different. Though both courses of action may yield similar short-term results, It is what we can't see that makes long-term success more predictable for only one. The one that understood why the doors need to fit by design and not by default. I just love it. I do too. I was, man, I was almost all the way through it without messing up. (laughs) That one sentence got me. But no, this, you talk about quality management. I know this isn't a quality management book, um, but this really encapsulates the entire quality management cycle and process together. You know, talk about engineering the solution from the beginning. I mean, mm-hmm. this is just, it's, it's huge. You know, you, you go all the way back to, uh, you know, the basic tenets of like ISO 9001 of Plan, Do, Check, Act. And these have their roots back to Deming, um, who's really the father of modern quality management. And he's the one that taught these techniques uh, to Japan. <laughs> um, so, you know, this stuff is just all combined together. Yeah, starting from the beginning and knowing your why. So, you know, like Simon Sinek said, the Japanese don't have to employ an extra person Mm -mm. and they don't have to buy extra tools because they went back and said, hey, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to the beginning and engineer it so it does work. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that can be used really, again, any organization. It really doesn't uh, doesn't matter what what you're working on. I mean, just how often do companies have rework, right? I mean, rework is so incredibly common, and folks don't often track that rework because it has become a part of the process, right? Mm -hmm. So you weld it, it expands, so you hammer it back into shape, you finish the weld, you heat it. Like, why? Why should you have to go through 
all of those iterative steps and the redo steps. But so many people have taken it as gospel that that's just how you get the work done. Well, that's why. Because that's how you do it. Right. That's the only way they know to do it. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a shame because, you know, when, when companies are led by good men and the companies are profitable, it's not just the folks at the company that benefit. It's not the stakeholders. It's not the shareholders. It, they're not the ones that benefit. It winds up being society as a large because now you have people doing good products at a decent price, providing decent wages for people. I mean, this stuff impacts everything. All around. It does. Because like these car makers, you know, I don't know how much of a difference it would be in the price of the car, but, you know, they have to employ less people mm-hmm. and they have to not buy extra tools. Right. So that's a little bit of savings for the company that mm-hmm. they can then pass on to their customer. Well, and, and like Simon Sinek said, they're probably more sound. The true. structure of the doors yeah. are probably more sound because it was engineered to fit that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I see in a chemical plant, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, is, um, what they'll do is say they have a non-conforming batch. They'll take the non-conforming batch, and depending on how much it's off, maybe it's pH or maybe it's a certain uh, component that's too high or too low, but it's a non-conforming batch. So what they'll do is they'll do the math on it, and they'll figure out how much of that bad batch they can put into the next series of good batches so that it all passes. Um, and is so, that okay? Is that good? As long as it passes the, the final test, um, which is kind of what we're looking at here with the door, right? Because you want the door to fit, but if it doesn't fit, we're going to hammer it into shape. Same thing happens with uh, with uh, chemical plants. I'm seeing this in food safety as well, which the first time I saw it in food safety, kind of, I had to raise my eyebrow a little bit, and I made them actually show me the math and show me the calculations okay. that they did. So you're going to have to finish the chemical plant story and then tell us about the food safety story because I'm intrigued. Oh, it's all what? the same. It's it's a, just a different type of chemical plant because uh, you take all of the foods that we have, how many ingredients do you see at the back of the food label, right? Yeah. Well, all of those ingredients were made in large ginormous thousand gallon vats and so if one of those vats happened to have too high of a ph or too high of a certain uh you know chemical additive in them um rather than throwing the whole thing away which could be an environmental mess depending on how far off it is or a huge cost they will simply do the math to verify how much of that bad batch they can add to the next success of good batches so now you're thinking, again, right? We want to engineer the stuff from the start so that it doesn't go wrong. Yeah, this is a little different <laughs> than doors. I mean, I want my door to stay shut while I'm driving down the road, but I, I don't. Ugh. Yeah, we we eat it every day. Okay. Every day we eat it, okay. and um, so and I'm not trying to dog the the food safety industry. It's just this is the way that, that things. Well, I'm probably operate. not going to quit eating either. Probably so. not. <laughs> <laughs> but this is just the way that things operate. But again, think about how much time is wasted, right? So now that vat, what they do is they pump it into a second non-conforming vat. And before they pump it to that second non-conforming vat, they have to flush it to make sure that it doesn't contain any non-compatible or hazardous elements to that vat, to that batch. So they pump it over there, and then they have to store it. Well, while it's being stored in that vat, that decreases their capacity, which then increases the, the overall cost of the entire facility. And depending on how many times you do this, it really adds up. And every every additional step is an additional chance for something to go wrong. It's like Murphy's Law, right? So the more components you have in your process, the more chances you have for something to go wrong. 
versus if employees had followed the clearly stated process to begin with. Exactly. Or if they had clearly stated processes exactly. to begin with, then they wouldn't have that problem. Right. And that's not to say that nonconformities don't happen, but you have to set your own threshold of what of what you think is right. And I was thinking about this today because we, we talked about it in the, the podcast with uh, Mo, is this whole notion of this is the way we've always done it. That is, if you work in a company... I think that's the hardest breakthrough when when talking to our clients. It is. Is, you know, it's, I think it's a tie between we don't have the money for that, when in reality, if they did the numbers, they could see how much money they would save by using a QMS and the processes mm-hmm. and everything you provide, or... Well, this is the way we've always done it, and it works for us. And the thing that kills me with the way that we've always done it, because you never see someone say that sheepishly, right? Whenever someone says that, they're standing proud and confident. This is the way we've always done it. I've been here for 40 years. This works. Mm -hmm. Or this is the way we've always done it, going back 50 years to the previous owner of the company. But when you say this is the way we've always done it, something that no one ever realizes that they're saying is in that statement you have packed in saying, no one in our organization knows any better. No one in our organization could do any better. You're basically saying you have a lot of incompetent, unmotivated, non-innovative people working for you. If this is the way we've always done it is the best answer. Well, I don't know that they they consider they don't it consider like it. that. No, no. Yeah. That's what I say. But it's packed in there if you really try to unpack it. And sometimes there are good best practices. Um, my old company, we did a lot of work with metallurgy. And the fact is that not all of the research that they did in the 40s and 50s and 60s on how to combine some of these alloys together, it wasn't really the best research. So some of the things that they do really are because no one really knows anything better to do, but it's been proven that it works. So sometimes the, the, the tried and true practices are good. Um, but it doesn't mean they're not without question. Right. There's always room for improvement. I there think, is. I mean, you've got to be open. I think that's part of being a good leader mm-hmm. is being willing to make changes and investigate new ways to save money and make money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's how your business will profit. I know that you just this week, um, there were a couple of jobs that Kyle had bid out and we didn't get. Yeah. And he said, oh, I just really want to know why we didn't get those. And I said, okay. So I emailed both the contacts and I said, hey, we're a quality management company. It's in our nature to want to improve. Can you tell us why you chose somebody else over us? And they told us. And it was good information for it Kyle. Is. He, he enjoyed getting that feedback. It is. It is. It's, it's good. And, and folks have to, be, have to be open to that. You almost have to have a hunger and a thirst for that feedback. Um, especially uh, now is the, the world changes at such a rapid mm-hmm. rate. And I think most of us sitting here listening to this podcast over the internet, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, it was dial up and <laughs> I mean, you know, none of this stuff could existed. Um, and now I don't know how to get anywhere cause I just plug it into Google. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Nobody I don't have to remember to any anywhere. phone numbers. I think Darcy's phone number is the only phone number I know. but i can't really remember as a kid you had like a running memory of 50 phone numbers yeah yeah you had to have all your friends and your grandparents but because the technology has assimilated in our lives so well i don't think we realize how quickly the world has changed and how quickly it's going to continue to change and you've got to be willing to change with it you do you do as a company and you know as customers 
out there that are listening, you've got to question whether or not the people you're doing business with are willing to make the changes that need to be made. Are they looking out for their bottom line or for yours? Yeah. You know, and if they're looking out for both, then it's a win-win for everybody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I left my own company, they were uh, experimenting with uh, early versions of 3D printing with metals. And so the last time... Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So, side note. <laughs> what the heck is going on? We're recording in our garage again because we were too busy during the week. And I think uh, Kyle has a microphone out front to try to catch the birds. Yeah. Did you, did you put it out there? Yeah. He wanted to try to catch the birds tweeting in the background. And it sounded like somebody just uh, popped off some fireworks or yeah. something. <laughs> Sorry. So Kyle, Where were we? Kyle thought we were under fire, I guess. He's got, he's got his back to the yeah. road. So. <laughs> Y'all, oh. I, I think this is probably one of the most fun things I've ever done in my adult career life. <laughs> and, you know, I hope it comes through. We mentioned this last week, I think, about how much fun we're having and how silly we really are live and in person. We just like to have fun. So there's a good example of it. Sorry. We are not under attack in no. our home and in our neighborhood. Don't be alarmed. Oh. I don't know where we were. No, yeah. Um, so I was saying that we were looking at like a 3D printing because 3D oh, yeah. printing with okay. metals was brand new. And now they've just about perfected the process. And what they do with it, it's just, it's phenomenal. I'll spare the, the metallurgy, but Please I do. love metallurgy. Um, but it's just crazy what they're doing with 3D printing of metals. Um, but they have to if they want to keep up. And it's not just keep up. I mean, if you want to be able to provide for your customer, you want to provide for your people, you have to adapt and change. Uh, there's, uh, I'm probably getting the quote all wrong, but there's a quote <laughs> from Henry Ford where he said, if I had waited for my customers to tell me what they wanted, they would have told me they wanted a faster horse. <laughs> Because <laughs> they didn't know any better. No, they didn't know better. So you, you I mean, you have to think of, of these things that'll happen. What's next? And it's not you as the manager that's that's the smartest guy in the company. You rarely should be the far, smartest person in the company. You've got a team of people that have great insight, and that's what I was trying to get at. Maybe a little poorly with my uh, comment about you know that's the way we've always done it. Yeah, is great. You've done it that way. Let's build on that backbone to do something better. Yeah. We can build on what you've already got in place to make it better. Yeah, and, and like, I think that's what a lot of people don't understand when we approach them about providing our, I don't ever know the right word you want me to use, our services, our yeah. our software. Um, I just totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> our, we're trying to help you improve your business. It's something Kyle is very passionate about. So um, the Start With Why book kind of gave Kyle his why for it the did. business. It did. And that's kind of our slogan is saving time and energy for what matters most. And I know we've talked about on the podcast how Kyle came to this. But just real brief, if you haven't heard it, he was working about 100 hours at his previous company. He kept thinking there's got to be a better way. Shut himself in his office and found a better way. And then cut his hours per week down to about 50 or 60, which is yeah. still a lot, but it's almost it's cut, cut in half. half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm sure provided them a better bottom line and a better oh, yeah. quality product. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, there's, there's zero chance we could have gotten the certifications we got in the, in the timeline that we got them. And they have continued to thrive since then. 
Yeah, so the saving time and energy for what matters most is something Kyle is very passionate about. I heard him say this week when he was talking to somebody, you know, that he was very passionate about this. He really enjoys saving people time and energy. Mm -hmm. The person that's doing all the work, usually the quality manager. Mm -hmm. um, And he enjoys seeing the numbers. Yeah. As far as like what we saved on rework, the better, you know, more quantity going out Mm -hmm. the door. And that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And it's it's the fringes that you make the biggest impact. You know, it's not saying that we're going to cut our total production cost. Forget that. We're going we're gonna to start trimming our rework rate. We're going to mm-hmm. increase our capacity. But if you increase the capacity and reduce the rework rate and add a little bit of efficiency, those little small efficiencies, they multiply together massively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that builds employee morale, which gets everything else going. It's just this... You get your people more invested. Yeah, it's such a Because they feel effect. like they're making a difference in somebody's life, too. Yeah. So to follow... Kyle had said to somebody, you know, I'm very passionate about saving people time and energy. The money is just a byproduct. It is. It, it, it comes... I you, mean, we... Obviously, we have to have money to support our family. But if you know Kyle was independently wealthy, he would do this for free. I, I think. probably would. He, he's he's <laughs> he fun. really enjoys what he does. It is because I love seeing the impact. You know, there's there's one client right now that you know they've almost hit a point to where they've got too much business, mm-hmm. um, which is its own totally separate problem that you have to worry about and plan about. But it's just amazing to see what a company can do with just some fundamentals. I just love it. Yeah, that's why I liked it when we've done those um, podcasts with the articles yeah. that talked about when companies get ISO certified. I like to have that bottom line that said, we yeah. save this much money by getting ISO certified, especially when it involves taxpayers' money because we don't have a choice on paying those taxes. You know, most things we have a choice in our vendors and, you know, where we choose to shop, but we don't have a choice in paying the taxes and we don't have a choice about how much we pay. No. So I want to know that my tax dollars are being used wisely mm-hmm. and again all of that happens because of the decisions as he made mention the decisions you make early on and the decisions you make as you continue through the process yeah i'm pretty excited to venture down some of these new roads we've been talking about recently oh, yeah. um it's gonna be fun and i also thought about when kyle said uh let's do this podcast on start with a while. actually when i started reading the book i said oh i think we're gonna have to do a little book review on the podcast <laughs> when we get done with that and he said oh i would love that yeah and then you know before i could finish the book he said oh i was listening to it again let's just yeah but when he said let's do this it made me think about our podcast because i've realized that every time we start the podcast i always have to tell y'all why we're doing this one. I start with the why every yeah. time I start the podcast. This is why we're doing this one. Right. So I thought it was funny. I think it's just kind of human nature to understand your why. And if you don't know your company's why, it might be something to talk to your manager about or the yeah. owner about and say, why do we do what we do? Or, you know, if you don't know your own why, yeah. read it and figure it out. Yeah. Maybe that's one for another time. But, uh, you know, when I finished the book, I think I listened to it in the course of like two days. I, I listen to Audible all the time. I'm not the best, uh, always best reader, um, so I love to listen to Audible. Um, and I immediately sat down that night, this is in like 2014, and wrote down the company mission statement, very clearly defined. Wrote down my own personal mission statement, and of course they mesh together. But yeah, it's, it's just a phenomenal book. It's just a phenomenal book, and, and again, this right here, this passage, I think, fully encapsulates what quality management is about. It's about planning the work, doing it, 
how do you check it and how do you act? What are the decisions you make? And it's a it's a it's a constant iterative cycle. Yeah. So I just want to repeat a couple of lines that I really enjoyed out of that whole few paragraphs. Um, he said there are those who decide to manipulate the door to fit to achieve the desired result. And there are those who start from somewhere very different. The one that understood why the doors need to fit by design and not by default is going to be the more successful one. That part is my little ad lib. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. So, you know, if you start with your why and you understand what's important and how to save money and pass that on to your customers and you're, you're doing a good job and a good leader will recognize that there is always room for improvement. I love it. I think it's a great, great place to stop. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you.